Hey there, welcome to the Girl Go Global podcast, where faith and works are empowered. With every episode, we're embracing our multi-layered lives with faith, know-how, and grit. I'm your host, Dr. Jasmine, and I'm ready to go global with you. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Girl Go Global podcast, where faith and works are empowered. I'm Dr. Jasmine, and I'm so excited that you decided to join me today. This is the community where we are joining our faith and our work to live out our courageous lives, which God created us. So if you are ready to step into your calling, step into the power that God gave you and live out loud, this is the place to be, sis. So if you have not listened to our episodes, I advise you to roll those episodes back. And don't forget to like, share and subscribe. We would love, love, love to hear how you are enjoying our content. But for today, I have with me Dr. Paula C. Perez. She is a PK, y'all, author, educator, speaker, and coach committed to helping single women of faith attract their husbands by dating God's way. She loves, excuse me, she lives in upstate New York with her husband, Pastor John E. Perez, where they are transforming families one person at a time. Dr. Paula, would you please introduce yourself to the Girl Go Global community? Woo-hoo-hoo! I'm glad to be here with you, Dr. Jasmine. This is so exciting. It's been a while in the making, and we're just glad to be here with you and your audience. As she said, I am an educator. I've been in education well over 30 years, and PK, so you already know that story. I was in church, seemed like every day in my life. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus, I'm the eldest of four, two girls and two boys. Uh, I have birthed no children, but I've often said I'm the mother of none, yet mother to all. But I do have three adult children from my husband's first marriage. And we are pastoring in the Hudson Valley, which is probably about 90 minutes from New York. That's where our congregation is. And I'm just excited to be here to talk all things single, virginity, you name it. I'm here for it. Oh, I'm here for this conversation, too. I think you may be the second person I've had this type of conversation with where we're talking about being 49 or over 40 and a virgin and when we're talking about singleness in that way and this is so interesting um this is a topic that is really taboo if you really think about it and I'm so excited that you decided to join me today to have this conversation because there may be women out there who are not only single they may not be 49 plus or 40 plus but they may be trying to save themselves for marriage. And Amen. Yes, this yes. Is the place to have that conversation. So let's just jump right in. You have a book, and I that do. book is entitled 49 Year Old Virgin Delayed, Not Denied. Tell us Amen. about your book. Amen. Amen. So like you said, I had the strong suspicion that there were a number of women in the world like me that was doing life God's way, trying to trust God's timing for our life, Mm -hmm. but perhaps getting discouraged along the route. 
perhaps feeling like, okay, Lord, what's wrong with me? They got married. What's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to share my experience. Uh, unlike many people, sex was a very open topic, not only in our family, but in our church. My mom was a nurse. My mom is a nurse. Thank God my parents are very much alive. My mom is a nurse, dad a pastor. He was uh, bivocational at that time working at IBM. He was a manager there. So I grew up in a Christian home that was determined that they were going to break the generational curses that had been on my family's bloodline. I had a grandfather, paternal grandfather, that by the age of 16, he already had three kids with a fourth on the way. And my great-grandmother made him marry <laughs> that girl. That girl turned out to be my maternal grandmother. Hmm. So very different from my life at 16. And that's what I do with my memoir, The 49-Year-Old Virgin. It starts out talking about different family members at the age of 16. And I picked that age because that's the age that I made my commitment to stay celibate. We were, um, we being my family, uh, we, along with some of the church members, attended a conference in New Jersey, a um, place called Ocean Grove, New Jersey. And at this conference, the gentleman that was leading the conference talked about relationships and sex and the importance of waiting. And there was a moment in his presentation where he had the fathers and the children stand and asked if they would be willing to take a pledge of remaining celibate until marriage and involving their fathers, particularly in that decision. So on that day, I literally signed on the dotted line and said I would not have sex until I got married and I would include, especially my dad, in the choice of a mate for myself. Now, when that happened, I was 16, <laughs> and I really thought that my life would mirror that of my parents. My parents um, fell in love early. They, My mom is two years younger than my dad. She was in high school when they met and started dating. Their parents did not give them permission to get married then because my mom always had the dream of becoming a nurse. And the nursing school that she chose to go to, you were not permitted to be married. So mm -hmm. they wanted her to finish her degree. Well, they did very much do that. My dad, a couple years older, so he was already working, had served in um, the military. They decided to elope. So they eloped when my mom was 21. She must have got pregnant with me that night because I was born nine months later. <laughs> But when they were bringing us up, the family dinner table was very sacred. And at that time, they would pour into us. I remember being five, six, seven years old with a something that resembled a bread basket in the middle of the table that was stacked with Bible verses. And each day we'd pull a verse, we'd have to memorize it before I could read it on my own. My parents would read it and recite it for us and we would echo it back. So I had that foundation of hearing the word, knowing the word. It wasn't until the age of 11 that I actually um, 
started to think about giving my life to Christ. In the book, I write about an experience where I came home and nobody was there, but there were pots on the stove um, and it seemed like somebody should be there. So I run around the house looking for my mother, looking for my siblings, nobody. We had recently seen a movie that you can now see on YouTube that's called A Thief in the Night. Ooh, child, that movie was about, <laughs> it was about the rapture. And in that moment, I thought, oh my God, I've been left behind. Well, then my parents came home. So I was spared then, but it took almost a year for me to finally, at the age of 12, say, okay, Lord Jesus, I want to give my life to you. And part of it, again, was a near-death experience that I write about in the book. And then a fire and brimstone preacher that came to my dad's church and literally scared the hell out of me. <laughs> so I gave my life to Christ at 12. At the age of 16, said, okay, my desire is to live for Christ, and I want to try to do this thing God's way. So that was the genesis of my journey. And of course, yeah, I thought I would marry right after college. And that was not the case. 33 years later, that's when the Lord sent my purpose partner. That's such an interesting story. I love that. I love how you gave your life to Christ at an early age, much as well as I did as well. Amen. Amen. But, you know, I didn't follow that path quite well. I didn't make that pa that pledge, you know, but... <laughs> That is such an interesting story. So between that point and until you met your purpose partner, love that term. I use that myself. Amen. Um, it's so interesting, you know, because when we think about the pathway and dating, how yes. talk a little bit about how you navigated the dating world. Did you date during that time? Um, or court, if you will, different men. I don't know what terminology that sure. you used um, um, and how difficult it may have been to abstain, you know, and then at some point I like to get into the difference between celibacy and abstinence. Sure, definitely. So I, um, I definitely dated my first boyfriend, the love of my life back then, uh, was around the age of 14, 15, and I really thought I was going to marry this kid. <laughs> but in the story, I share a story about um, them getting someone pregnant. We never, I loved kissing him. He taught me how to French kiss, all that good stuff. But it never honestly crossed my mind to have sex with him. And partly because, as I said early on, sex was very much a topic of conversation in our household. And when I was 12, my mom was pregnant with my youngest sibling. She sat me down and talked about sex. She talked about how great sex is, that it feels really good. And when you have it, you're going to want to have it some more. But God has created it for the purpose of helping a husband and wife to stick together. There is a brain chemistry that happens. There's a soul tie that happens. There's a blood covenant that happens when you have uh, sex with a person. And they said, you're going to love it, but it is our hope that you will wait till you got married. So because I had that framework in my mind, I was a firstborn or I am a firstborn. So 
you know, the typical firstborn child, compliant, wants to obey, wants to please their parents. So that's the way I approached it. So I most definitely dated. In the book, I share about, um, you know, going on rides to different amusement parks or going to churches and being in the back of the van and when the lights were off, sneaking a kiss. So I talk about all of that kind of stuff in the um, book, 49-Year-Old Virgin. But I also talk about my first experience when I went away to college and being in an apartment, we started off with a group of us that were there. Uh, I went to an engineering school as a freshman, was actually accepted into the school as a junior because I went to a program this summer um, before my junior year trying to entice minorities and women to enter the field of engineering. So I went, as a result, I met a bunch of upperclassmen. So when I got onto the campus as a freshman, as soon as my parents left, I threw my clothes down and went in search of those upperclassmen. And when I was there, we, we went to one of the guys' apartment and started playing games, had a good time. One by one, everybody left until it was just the two of us in the room. And of course, guys do what they do. He started kissing my ear. He went down my neck. And then moments later, literally jumped up <laughs> and said, you got to go, Paula. You got to go. And I was so naive. I had no clue what was going on. <laughs> so he said, uh, yeah, just go home. So I left. And so I was baffled about, man, okay, what happened that he stopped? Hindsight, I really feel the Lord must have whispered in his ear, leave this girl alone. She don't know what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. After, after that, uh, I started at an engineering school, and there were so many experiences. Oh, and this wait, guy wait, was, hold on really quick. Uh, so did, all did, right. do you feel like uh, you would have went further with him? Had he not? I don't, I, I don't know. I think it could have been a very real possibility because just you get caught up. Mm -hmm. You get caught up in the moment and sure. the body will do what the body does. And I think that we, we got to remember, especially as women of faith, that there are two sides to this story. Of course, the Lord wants us to be successful. He's going to provide every means of escape. He's going to give us the power to do what we need to do. He's going to show us how to be able to keep ourselves until marriage. But then you got the enemy that wants to destroy your destiny. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I, I definitely think something could have happened. And this gentleman, he he was there throughout. I've never had alcohol either. Um, mm -hmm. And I think partly because one of my grandparents had been an alcoholic early in my parents' life. Mm -hmm. So that was something that, again, in their teaching, we never, ever saw them with a cigarette. We never, ever saw them with alcohol. We didn't even use alcohol for communion. So it because I wasn't around it, that was not an expectation. And I just had no desire. I can't comprehend how people want to lose their faculties for what? <laughs> for 
for what? Because nothing but bad seems to come out of those situations. So I started my freshman year as a um, engineering student. But throughout that experience, I had a professor that was an atheist talking a lot of my friends into believing that there was no God. And it frustrated me because even though I was a PK, I could not articulate well enough to them. Don't believe them. It's a lie. There's a heaven. There's a hell. <laughs> and I just I didn't have it together. So all of those types of things led me to rethink my decision. So I decided that I would change. And I've always been an educator. I, As a kid, I would play school, not house. I would play school with my baby dolls. <laughs> Whenever I got more kids, I was the teacher and you're going to do what I said. I was a youth leader at my dad's church at a very young age. So I don't know why I didn't go into to education to begin with. But after my freshman year, I switched to a Christian college, partly because I felt Number one, I needed to recommit my life to the Lord and prioritize my walk. Because sometimes as children, um, our motivation for doing things is not always the right one. And then you just come to a an age of understanding where you really need to say, okay, am I being a Christian? Am I being a Christ follower because of mommy and daddy? Or am I doing it because I believe this is what I need for my life? So I was at that point where I made that decision. Mm -hmm. And the word of God, because it was a Christian college, I was required to take Bible classes, which was awesome because it got me into God's word and opened up my understanding to understand and realize that not everything is spelled out. You won't find dating in God's word, but you certainly will see how the Lord connected his people with their purpose partner, you know? Um, so going through that experience really helped me to ground myself. I, I was focused. I knew what I wanted to do. Cause when I was a freshman, my first act of freedom, uh, rebellion was to stop going to church. Mm. <laughs> and I talked about that in the book until maybe four months in when I got a letter from my mom. This is before email was around. Got a letter from my mom saying, uh, we're going to be up to such and such as church. Will we see you? So I thought I better start going to that church in case they ask the pastor, have you seen Paula? <laughs> so I, I started going. I started going back to church. But by the end of my freshman year, I again, between the atheist professor, um, knowing I wasn't doing what I knew I should be doing to keep my walk with Christ safe, I decided to go to the Christian college. While I was there, I was introduced to uh, a gentleman um, named James McDonald. He wrote a book entitled Why Wait? And we would have chapel service. He was often a guest speaker for our services. And I was very much intrigued by what he had to say. It aligned with what I had committed to do at 16, but it was just good to hear somebody else's perspective. And one of the things that I took away from him is that lust can't wait, <laughs> but love will. And that's good. Just Let's having... look at that for a second. Like, so 
just to um, let you guys know, this is the Girl Go Global community where faith and works are empowered. I'm talking to Dr. Paula Perez, and we're talking about virginity. We're talking about saving yourself for marriage. We're talking about her journey toward becoming a wife and remaining a virgin until that point. And so, Dr. Paula, you just mentioned this whole concept about, I think you said lust can wait. Um, explain that a little further, and I got a couple more questions for you. Sure, sure, definitely. Just the concept that love can wait, lust can't. Mm -hmm. Love can wait, but lust can't. Lust is about, I'm feeling it in the moment, I'm going to satisfy that feeling, whatever it is, whatever it is. It could be food. Overindulgence in food is not good for us either. So that was a great lesson um, that I learned, and it changed my perspective of the guys. Uh, that I was dealing with. So I left college. I thought I would leave with my MRS degree, my Mrs. degree, but that did not happen. I dated, uh, uh, actually, I dated a couple of guys there, um, but it just, it didn't, didn't turn out. It, we, in fact, we are still friends, most of them to this day, but it just, we just didn't feel it. It just didn't go any further. So it was nice to be able to go out to dinner with people, to go on walks, that type of thing. But nothing materialized. And not one of the guys on that campus ever brought up the topic of sex, pressured, none of that. So that was not an issue at all. I left oh, that's, that's, college. That's super good. I um Yes. I love that concept. And, and, and I guess if... It's, it's, I guess some would say that it's easy to remain celibate or abstinent if you don't have the uh, opportunity or the opportunity. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, yes. Some might say they disagree. Obviously, we live in a culture where um, that there is a free for all. Even to even today, a lot of young in the people. Church. And yes. in the church, in the church, and outside the church, yep. and just uh, just yep. period, the world is saying, um, or culture is saying, you know, uh, everybody's doing it. It's nothing to it, or just open yourself up, and it, it doesn't matter that you connect Correct. yourself sexually with whomever you feel because of the connection, because yes. you, the body wants what the body wants, and the body needs what the body needs. I I understand where we are as a culture. I understand where you've been. I, you yes. know, I grew up in church myself. I mm -hmm. did not, well, was not a virgin when I got married, but my husband and I did abstain. We did not have sex Amen. before. Amen. We got Good. married, but that was a Good. conscious decision, really, that he brought up to me and that I was, all, I, was all, I was already on board with doing. So when he brought up the conversation, I was like, that, it was definitely oh, hard. Man. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I definitely understand uh, what how people can fall into yes. uh, sexual conduct, conduct or sexual activities before for marriage. And, exactly. uh, and I understand that some people, even in church, there are a lot of people, church people are liberal with their oh, sexuality. Yes. So I'm just inter interested in this conversation for a number of reasons. But Let's talk a little bit about what you would say to a group of young women who maybe they've had sex before marriage, 
Mm-hmm. Um, they decided to do, do it another way. Cause so that was that might have been myself. You know, I mm-hmm. decided that this isn't working for me. This isn't working. The the emotional toll is taken on me because of the connection I have. Some may call that a soul tie. Um, yes. The 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 thing that I'm experiencing is not working for me, and I I just desperately want to do it another way because that over right. there wasn't working. Amen. And I desire Amen. a mate. And God, if you bless me with a mate, I want to do it according to what I believe is your way. Amen. And so, yes. um, because there are different perspectives on that, but according to what I need, like I that that oh that this the sexual sin, if you will, wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that Amen. lifestyle wasn't working for me. It didn't add value to me. I was choosing wrong. I was blinded by lost if yes. you I was blinded exactly. by all that things. I didn't have clarity of thought. This is me. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. having said that, we live, we got this duality, if you will. We got this cultural thing going on. Yes. We got what some of us may be feeling like, uh, I I don't know. I want to try something new. And I and I just want I really want to save myself for marriage what's the what's the answer like what are some tips tools and strategies to help people because it's one thing to say (laughs) um i can abstain if the guy told me oh i'm gonna stop you go home but it's another thing it's a whole (laughs) thing when they ain't stopping amen and you want and and you don't want them to stop exactly it's almost like you do but you don't Amen. You got those two images like yes. they show in the cartoons, so the devil on one side. Yes. Yeah. Do you think that's this is this is a real thing, right? Amen. Amen. Top, amen. In uh top ten thoughts, or not top ten, maybe top two, top two thoughts about you know how you do that. I too have a book, Heart Rhythm Surviving Singleness with Faith, Know How, and Grit. I talk about amen. dating, I talk about sex, I talk about all those things um, prior to me getting married, you know, dating, mm-hmm. all going on blind dates and, you know, trying yes, to, yes, all yes, of those things, right? Yes, so yes. what are your thoughts? Similarly, I wrote a second book that's entitled Boundaries, Saving Yourself Until, your, um, until Marriage. And in the book, one of the sections says, what if it's already too late? And in there, I go through and talk about the fact that there, I'm sure there's a number of people that have not been able to abstain from sex, but now they are a point in their walk with the Lord where they're ready to do dating God's way. So if you don't mind, I, I just want to read this little passage. It says, regardless of your situation, whether you have lost your virginity through choice or force, it is never too late to change course. Perhaps you are widowed or divorced. Taking a vow of celibacy still makes sense in this season of your life. You can still experience the benefits of choosing not to have sex until you marry. The fact that you've read this far says you are interested in surrounding your single life with boundaries. And in the book, I go through um, 10, basically 10 tips, but I take each letter of boundaries, and that is a different aspect of a way to keep yourself 
on this road of celibacy. So B is for believe. Oh, obey his word. U, understand his principles. N, normalize. No wed, no bed. <laughs> D, develop self-control. A, ask accountability partners. R, renew your mind. I, improve your impact. E, embrace truth. And S, show self-love. So in this book, this book is um, somewhat like a study guide. I give some narrative and describe each of the points, but then I also give visualization exercises and scriptures to back it up and want you to identify areas in your life that you need to address in order to stay on this road of celibacy. In the book, I even talk about masturbation. I talk about pornography. I even talk about what if you weren't doing anything when you got uh, married, but after you got married, you still frozen. Now, when you're free to do what God has created for you to do, you still have those voices in your head saying, oh, no, sex is nasty. And no, you can't do this. So I even address that in this book called Boundaries, Saving Yourself Until Marriage. So I think that God one of my biggest tips is to filter everything that you do in life through the scripture. And Paul makes it very, very clear the importance of using scripture as a filter. And in Philippians chapter four, uh, verses eight and nine in particular, he tells us what we need to think about, things that are true, things that are noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. And he says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, those are the things that we should be allowing in our mind. And in the memoir, 49-Year-Old Virgin, my husband, my husband-to-be, I should say, uh, as we were driving uh, one of the back rows, we were at that point engaged. He asked me, how'd you do it? And before that, we had a conversation. It was almost as if he was talking under his breath as he was driving. And he said, Lord, I just thank you. I've got almost everything I wanted. And I heard him say almost. And I asked, well, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean almost everything you asked for? And he said, well, I wanted a virgin. And I looked at him like, what? What makes you think that I'm not? He literally stopped the car, got out the car, started praising God, and then got back in the car and said, wait, how'd you do it? And I broke this boundaries down to him in essence said that the Lord taught me how to keep the images, how to keep the sounds, how to keep the examples out of my head that would cause me to fall into sin. Because we have to remember, every sin starts with a thought. Every sin. So if it's not in your mind to think about it, you're not going to do it. And if you haven't had sex, you can't miss it. So between mm. those two things, that was one of the major things that the Lord did for me. And for me, I love music. I love music. I remember during my college days, often listening to The Quiet Storm boo-hooing in my dorm room because I wasn't matched up with somebody. Yeah, it's but tough I remember, to understand it is. singleness. It is. It's super, super tough. Definitely. It's, it's hard. 
Definitely. And I know some people may say, well, you got a husband. Well, what? But I ain't always had no husband, yeah. So. <laughs> 49 years I, I, I didn't have a husband. I definitely get it. I, so, Amen. You, you, um, Pastor Perez, you, you guys are married now? We are married. So at 49, 49 mm -hmm. in a couple of months, we got married. And that story is in the book. Mm -hmm. it, it's miraculous. One of the things that I learned on my road to singleness, that there was a season in my life when I made my pursuit of getting married, my God with a small G. My priorities were all out of whack. I was hyper-focused on finding the one. Well, first of all, I wasn't the one that's supposed to be finding. They were supposed to find me. But I literally had a reputation of watch her, she's just looking for a man. Watch her, she's just looking for a husband. And I think part of that came from being the eldest child and watching my younger siblings get married. Now that's that's just all out of whack. That's not supposed to happen that way. You, I'm the first one, so I should get married first, but that didn't happen. In fact, at one of the weddings, one of the guests said to me, well, what are we gonna have some cake? And at first I thought they were talking about my brother's wedding cake. She said, no, 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 I'm talking about your cake. Again, putting that pressure as if I had control over when I was gonna get married. She was asking, when are we gonna go to your wedding? Yeah, so that, you know what, people just, they don't know what to say. They <laughs> sure don't. Yeah, this so, and then they got, we have this whole social construct that, marriage is the pursuit of happiness or the end all be all Correct. for women and so I, I, I understand where a lot of women may be i understand the pressures of wanting the, the two um household to have that forever date you know you always got yes. someone to go places and do things with i get it i certainly certainly get it yes i certainly certainly get it um but let me talk to you know what ask you a little bit about um you know, some people may say, I, 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 I got to try to, I got to milk the cow. I got to try the horse before I get there. You know, I got my perspective on that. But what are your thoughts? You know, you no, know, people, no, are, no, no. people are afraid. No, no, no. You know, get uh -uh. married. Without They're not going to be compatible. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. they're afraid Again. they're not going to be compatible sexually. He can't please me. Yes. He can't yes. or, or she can't please me. All of those things. Or it's not going to be, you know, what I Those hope are excuses. Be. Those are excuses. And y'all just need to stop fronting because you're doing what you want to do. The question is, how much do you love your Lord and Savior? How much do you want to please him? And don't you think he knows <laughs> how to put things together? He created this. So that that's absolutely ridiculous. The other aspect is, Anything that you want to get good at is going to take practice. Mm. So the I have found, and obviously I was a virgin when I got married. My husband had been married before, okay. but he was an awesome teacher. And anything that I didn't know between God and Google, I could find it. We need to stop with the nonsense because we are buying the world's concept. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Stop adopting the attitude of the world. We are supposed to live a different life. We are supposed to lift up a banner that honors God. And doing 
All of those things before marriage is totally outside the boundaries. Any uh, dating is not specifically spoken about, but not getting into bed surely is in the word of God. There, it, there's no gray area in it. That is very clear. However, when you look at um, the books in the Bible, they've got all kinds of love relationships that are in there. And they talk about just how beautiful the body is and all of that. So I just, I find that as an excuse. And coming from believers, I want to smack them <laughs> because well, they're allowing the enemy to rob them of something that is absolutely beautiful. One of the things people don't realize is that you don't let go of those those memories. You don't let go of those experiences. And it just creates more baggage that you have to unpack after the Lord does give you your, your purpose partner, your spouse. And God knows I want our marriages to be lasting. And the more sexual experiences we introduce prior to getting married, the more it has the potential of greatly impacting that relationship. Because boundaries enable us to build trust. Boundaries enable us to create a safe space where we are free to express, free to be able to share every aspect of our life. So our mind, our spirit, our body as well. So for those that use that, it's a cop out. And I, I don't buy it at all. Well, that is a, a, such an interesting thought. I I don't never I don't know if I even have an answer <laughs> because you know I don't I, I don't know if I have an answer. I just know that I got to put my faith and trust in God. And when I got married, I we decided to wait, and amen. And I was, you know. I guess going out on the limb, you know, or just trusting God that he was going to provide all that, my, all my needs, including that one, you know, and then you and get that's an opportunity what the word to says. explore <laughs> each other in yeah. the confines of a marriage. And I guess when I, when I wasn't married and I might have, you know, been sexually active, I, I had for mm -hmm. me, right. I'm talking yes. about me. I had, you know, Oh God, I'm so sad or I can't believe I did that. Or I just, I, I had a freedom about me that I never had before. Exactly. That's what because, I'm trying to say. Because, girl, yes. but, but not everybody feels that level of conviction. That's what I'm saying. I, See, some people don't feel I really, some people, I, I, I don't, I can't, but, but what I can say is for me, I trusted the Lord that he was going to provide the, the man, the, my, my, yes. the spiritual leader of my household the yes. one who was going to provide, protect and fulfill all those sexual needs and amen, then if, 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 it, if it ain't work just like you go to counseling you can go to classes right. for that too you know what I mean exactly. and you can communicate and say this Correct. is what I need or this is what I'm not getting either way you're going to have to communicate um, whether you're doing it before marriage or after either amen. way and I don't and know you Right, I'm, right. I, do, I, I'm I don't know the percentage of women who walk away from men because they didn't enjoy them sexually. I don't know. But yeah. most of the time, 
you know, some women, they just just live with it sometimes either way. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, but I, I don't really have an answer for it. <laughs> Mm -hmm, because, mm -hmm. you know but I do have you know I've had friends who I've had a one I think I've had one friend who told me that she got married they didn't have sex before marriage and she did not enjoy her husband and and and, and that's hard and it, it, and it is hard but but this is the thing like you said I totally agree in counseling uh, my husband and I do coaching with couples I also do uh, coaching for singles and one of the things that I strongly believe is that you can work through anything. So first of all, if prior to getting married, everything is aligned, I just believe the Lord can work out that area as well. What I find oftentimes is we have expectations that have never been expressed to our partner and we expect them to read our mind. Just like anything else, you need to show them, you need to tell them, I don't like that. Yes, I like that. Don't do mm -hmm. this. Please do that. Yeah. And many said, women, <laughs> yes, many people don't have the freedom to talk openly about their sexual um, intimacy with their husband. And because that, that's of a larger that, discussion, I think that's a larger yes, discussion. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. But that is definitely one of the issues. And so I, I pray that people that are in that situation will seek outside help. Sometimes it helps to have a third party that you can confide in, that you can openly share, and they can help you walk through those types of discussions and those types of exercises if you need, um, opportunities to to explore one another, et cetera. Yeah. That's interesting. I think that's a, a really good conversation for your married folks that you're ministering. But um, I, I also <laughs> think, you know, even in church, far as married people are concerned, and in the church world, having conversation in marriage ministry about certain topics and sex and things yes. like that is not mm -hmm. enough conversation around that. People don't talk freely, you know, about it. Like as if Christians aren't having sex, okay? Married now listen, Christians aren't having sex, and so I don't get if that. You, <laughs> if you want to experience a retreat where we go all in, we are actually having a retreat. Um, my mom, my parents' church, the Point of Praise in Kingston, New York, they're having a retreat the third weekend in November, and you better believe we talk about it all. And I appreciate the way I was brought up. We would often have youth nights and the adults would allow the young people to get up and we could ask anything. And you better believe as teenagers, that's exactly what we did. So we asked in church about masturbation. We asked in church about oral sex. We asked in church <laughs> about all of these topics. And I, I applaud my parents. I know that's not true in every church. I have certainly tried to do that with the young people at our church. Um, I've gone through my book Boundaries with a group of young people and talked openly. When I was single, I used to do um, sleepovers for the girls. And that's what we were talking about. We'd watch movies and then talk through the night. And one of the things we would discuss was about their life, what they plan to do with their life, and we would talk about boys and sex. So yeah, that's so we, that's so needed and so important. It is very much but needed. But I hear because, like the young people these days, they're into some stuff that wasn't even happening when I was um 
Amen. I don't want to say it wasn't happening, but I think it's it wasn't out in the open. Out like in it the is open now. and as free. Yes. And yes. while some of the young people may not be uh I guess experiencing penetration, right? They're doing a lot of other things. Um you know what? So, oh. so <laughs> I hope that you're also having those kind of conversations as well with Oh, them. totally. In in fact, one of the um the person that edited my book. I talk about that in boundaries. I said something to the effect, if it has the word sex in it, it's sex. I don't care what the president said. We had a president that said I did not have sex with her and he was having oral sex with her. <laughs> so I I break it down to the young people. And if sex is in the word, yes, it is sex. But I also talked about, the, my editor said that she had a young lady that they didn't penetrate, but there was so much semen, she still got pregnant. Women, woo, my, my, my. That's, people, people can, that's a conversation pregnant. that young yes. people need to know because I, yes. I mean, this is not an R rated episode, but it happens. Just know. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> they just know. I had, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned that early on when I was young. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yep, oh my yep, goodness, yep. we could go on and on. This this topic is so, so deep. But I want to thank you, Dr. Perez, for sharing your story with me today. Thank I know you. that um, this topic uh, is taboo for some. Not everyone has waited sexually in yes. all forms of the yeah. word. How about that? Not everyone exactly. has, <laughs> has done that. Um, but if you haven't, you still have time. There's still opportunity to look at yourself as a creature that God has created, someone, a human being that God has created, and you can have redemption, you can turn your life around, you may, uh, you can live an abstinent lifestyle if that is your choice. You can Amen. according to live according to scripture and the what the word says about you know fornication. You can do that. Amen. And yes. there is capacity. Um, I may not have met the mark like uh, Dr. Paula, but I did. My husband and I, my me, my purpose partner, the the, the spiritual leader of my household, we uh, waited until marriage. So you can do it. it. It is not taboo. You don't have to uh, succumb to tem the temptations of life and culture in that way. And Amen. let us be a testimony from whatever spectrum you are sitting in to know that it can happen for you, no matter what you've done, where you've been, or where you plan to go. Amen. So, Dr. Paula, give me one word uh, that you would give to encourage the Girl Go Global community who are pursuing, you know, a lifestyle. Just let's just talk about a shift in lifestyle. They might not even be thinking about sex right now. Just give me one word of encouragement for that global girl out there who is you know, just trying to maybe rededicate her life to the Lord. One word. <laughs> One word. One word. Trust. 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 Trust in God. Trust in the plan. Trust in the timing. Trust in his directions. Trust in his word. Trust. Trust. I love that. So when I say, what does it mean for girls to go global? What would you say? I believe that it is the intention for us to get truth out into the world. 
for us to allow people to know Christ and to make him known. I believe that God's intention is that his word, the truth of his word goes global. And this platform certainly is a means by which you can do it. And I applaud you for what you are doing, allowing people's stories, allowing people's uh, experiences to go and for people to see that, first of all, God's grace is sufficient. And regardless of where you are on your journey, it is never too late to wholeheartedly yield your life to God, to Jesus, and to allow him to live in and through you. Oh my goodness. I love that. This has been the Girl Go Global podcast where faith and works are empowered. We are around here not only having faith in God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but we are also working that faith. We are all we are also pursuing purpose with intention. And if your purpose right now is to rededicate your body, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, you got to get Dr. Paula's book. She can help you with those boundaries and that balance that you have to have Amen. in order to live that faith-filled life. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. I would love, love, love for you to keep listening and to share what you think. So give me that review. Hope to see you soon. Hope to talk with you soon. Don't forget to share, 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 share. Thank you so much for listening.